Welcome to the Batman Tasticast, celebrating the 30th anniversary of the greatest animated television series of all time, Batman the Animated Series. Our podcast offers a deep dive into each episode and a full series retrospective from two nerds who really like Batman. And introducing our hosts this week, well, and every week, across the table from me, the angel with the dirtiest face, Ooh. Mr. Jordan Hugh. Thank you. And introducing my co-host and the lovely voice you just heard, um, my favorite kid brother with a wooden leg, Michael. Mike yeah. Staub. Awful. So it was your turn to have a character with your name in the show. It, it, it you know. How does it feel? It, it doesn't feel good, especially since, like. It doesn't like, feel good. Especially since, like. Watching this episode in the 90s context, you're like, all right, whatever. But watching this episode, like, now... They couldn't make this episode now. No, no, no. First of all, having a Catholic priest as a benevolent character is never going to happen in 2022. Also, I just want to make sure, Mike, I want to check before we really get into the episode. Is it too late? Uh, I don't think it's ever too late. It's... Is, is it too late? It's never too late. Thank you. It just really scratches an itch for me. That's right. Um, no, between like the drug, the drug dealing and the drug addiction and actually seeing the insides of a drug rehab oh. clinic yeah, and a guy <laughs> suffering from, you know, withdrawals and um, the mob element, but, but more than that, just kind of like the Catholic priest involvement and the church. I was like, this is not a kid's cartoon. No. This couldn't be made now. Not no, this way. Definitely not. Not with the target audience of like the 10 to 12 year olds. No way. Um, but to just clear up a little, because we really didn't mention it. Today, we're talking about season one, episode 12. It's never too late, which is episode 12 on the production side. And in the broadcast order is number seven. This episode was directed by Boyd Kirkland, written by Tom Ruger, and teleplay by Garen Wolf. So yes, and plagiarized from It's a Wonderful Life and Angels with Dirty Faces. And a little bit of the uh, Christmas Carol. I feel <laughs> right, like a little it's, bit there too. It's, uh, this episode is one another, geez, I feel like I've fallen just face forward into all of these. Another issue yes, episode. So for whatever reason, and we, we did this totally randomly, yeah, of course. you have gotten... All of the episodes that have been some kind of like after school PSA yeah. episode. And this is the episode where, you know, Batman essentially points at you and goes, winners never do drugs. Basically, yeah. It's a little more artful than that. Yes, but, yeah. but pretty much this is a drug episode. But you've done, you've had to do Underdwellers. I had to do with child orphans yeah. slash starvation slash kind of thing going on. Messing around on trains. Okay. Abused children. Yeah. Basically. Yeah, yeah. 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 And you did. I did. Uh, the Forgotten. The Forgotten, which, which is like. Which was homelessness hom- and slavery. Yeah. <laughs> and now I'm dealing with drugs and possibly the mob. We're really trying to make you happy about this job. Yeah. Yeah. Like- uh, it's it's great. I'm so happy that I drew the even. I, I'm going to make out like a bandit though. Next next episode. Oh no! I listen, I've already scanned ahead on the evens. You will you will come out ahead of me. Yes. Ultimately yeah. on the evens with yeah. me doing odds. So we've got another episode that in, that doesn't introduce. Well, I guess it would have introduced him had you watched it in broadcast order. But this is another episode starring Rupert Thorne. Right. So this, if you were watching in broadcast yeah. order, if you're watching like from HBO Max or something, or if you watch the broadcast. This would have been your introduction to Thorne, which yes. actually I don't think is as good an introduction no. as his introduction in Two Face. No, because there's no, there's no history here, right? Right. Well, the, and the history that's there doesn't matter. Yeah, and the, Harvey Dent is a better introduction to Rupert Thorne because Harvey Dent has a vendetta against Rupert Thorne. Right. So, like, mm-hmm. there's that whole thing going on there. This is just. You know, the story of the older mobster and the younger mobster. <laughs> which, which I mean... How, how old does that make Stromwell? I, I, Stromwell's got to be a million. 
Right, so Stromwell, yeah, he's clearly not young, but like calling Rupert Thorne the younger mobster. Yeah, we will. Thorne is 400 pounds with white hair yeah. and wrinkles. Well, we will get into this. I feel like Thorne's design was somewhat designed <laughs> off of like early 90s John Gotti to a degree. Maybe, I don't know. A little bit. I think he's something earlier than that. Yeah, maybe something earlier than that too, but I feel like that's all kind of kind of tied up into one we have um, plenty of time to place what the origin of thorn is because thorn is in like one tenth of this yes, series yes. So. He, and it's like we said last time we don't know why it's not falcone um and well so why are these guys like in the comic books batman's the mob that batman fights is pretty much the italian mafia in gotham city and none of these guys in the show are outwardly italian they do very Italian mafia things, like meet in Italian restaurants, and but they're not they're not Italian mobsters. We have Thorn, Rupert Thorn, which is probably you could not have a more English name. Yes, and then the other one is you know Arnold Arnold yeah, Stromwell Arnold Arnie Stromwell. On Arnie's not necessarily not a nickname that someone would give an Italian kid. Sure, but Stromwell, again, is another... It could be German, but it's almost definitely English. Yeah, you know, yeah. Another Anglo-Saxon name. They're doing this for a really specific reason. They do not want to be stereotypical at all with any of the groups that are typically associated with organized crime. Yeah, that's true, and I guess this is coming out and releasing kind of in the shadow of Goodfellas, so yeah, there might have been a pushback. It, it, it comes off to me as kind of erasure, yeah. in a way. It comes off as kind of uh, ethnic erasure, almost like a little bit fake. Mm -hmm. Like... Two Anglo-Saxon or, or two, maybe, I don't even know, English descent, however you want to say it. Yeah. Uh, gangsters doesn't really ring true to me. Yeah. Because the mob or, or gangsterdom comes about because you're, you've been resented or shunned by the establishment. Yeah. So you have to go about things your own way. These are almost always folks coming from an immigrant background, yeah. Italian immigrants, Irish immigrants, Jewish immigrants, yeah. right? Russian immigrants. This is where organized crime really thrives in those communities because they're not accepted by the establishment. If your last name is Thorne or Stromwell, yeah. you have no problems getting a bank loan. Yeah. Okay. You yeah, have yeah, no yeah. problems getting justice. Yeah. Right. But if your last name is, you know, Schultz. Yeah. Right. If your last name is Capone. Yeah. Right. You might have some issues. Yeah. And that is why you turn to organized crime or you become organized crime. Especially in the time that this series is supposed to like take place during. Right. If we're right. talking the about 30s, the 30s yeah. and in you know, the mafia was, was still, you know, climbing to probably at its height or climbing to its height. And it's, it's so odd. And we will talk about this, um, to give you the plug here, you know, uh, Jordan is on the, for those, for those of you out there who don't know this, Jordan is, um, a co-host on a show called the Sopranos podcast, which does what we're doing for Batman for the Sopranos. You should watch it. It's also on HBO max. So you can, you know, a and B, Right. These podcasts you with do, the series. You do Batman first, then Sopranos, and then yes. listen to the podcast. And I feel like what you just said about how organized crime kind of develops is really tackled in The Sopranos quite a bit. It is, And that's yeah. kind of a key part of it, to the point where, like, he resents, Tony Soprano resents the Americanized Italians, or the Americans, as he calls them, you know? <laughs> the Madagon. Yeah, the yeah, Madagon, that's Madigan. it. Yeah, um, mm -hmm. well... This episode again, it's not it's not anything truly offensive, and no. as we're, we're both Italian American, yes, by the way, yes. Mike and I, even though we we have plenty of other stuff. There's that other make stuff up, floating around. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, but we're both. I, I would say even primarily Italian American to the extent that our identities are largely our, our families are very Italian. Very, very much. I mean, and and food alone, 
you know, is is <laughs> right. So I don't I don't watch this episode and get like offended, but no. it is pretty obvious when you have like you have two mob bosses sitting down in a restaurant that sells cannolis, and you can't call these guys Italian mobsters or something. Something's up. It feels a yeah. little off. At least like in the Spider-Man stories, when they did the cartoons, you would get Fisk, who is clearly not an Italian character, but you'd have you'd <laughs> have issue, yeah, you'd have. Uh, Silvermane, right? Who is right. like off the boat? But yeah, Silvermane is the, the most Italian gangster. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so it's kind of weird that they did this with Batman. I think you're right; they just kind of didn't want to play into the stereotype where all gangsters are Italian. But For sure, like, and and we can tell it's purposeful because they had many, many, many Italian and Irish gangsters they could have chosen yeah. from the comics that mm-hmm. we already had in canon. Yeah, Falcone being chief among them. Yes, exactly. But like, Thorn should just be Falcone. He I mean, just, just be, even just look at him. Yeah. Just, just do it. Just, just call him Falcone. It's like right. you took you took the second half of the name and kind of shifted the letters around a little bit to make Thorn um, from Falcone. You know, it's like or something. Yeah, yeah, just like they were like, well, we don't want it to be an Italian guy. All right, make him like a Thorn. All right, sure, whatever. Yeah, whatever. Um, I love how we we went right for the topics and like not, neither one of us did the initial thoughts on the oh, episode. Oh yeah, all. I mean initial thoughts. Uh, well, we, we can stay in topics. That's yeah, okay. Yeah, let's stay in. Listen, topics. we we like to play it loose here. Yeah, that's right. That's right. This we show play is... it loose here at the Batman Tastic Cast. <laughs> this show is for us. This sh- well, the show is for us. If yeah. you're listening, Mike and I just do the show for ourselves. Yeah, well, Thank you for listening uh, yeah. to us, but it's for us. It's for us, uh, so that we can chronicle. Uh, <laughs> we have the chronicle, and we can keep that on our hard drives right. forever. There's a listener right now being like, "Yeah, we know. We know. <laughs> it's clearly for you too. We, we know you idiots." Um. So this is another issue episode. You know, we, it does tackle a little bit of organized crime, but mostly drug abuse. Uh, we will get more into that later. And, um, yeah, as you, as we both kind of hinted at, you know, this this episode pulls from a lot of different places. As we hinted at the beginning, at the top of the show, um, a lot of cartoons do this, right? They take from popular movies, at, not at the time, but popular movies in general, or they'll, they'll lift storylines, you know, historically, you know, the uh, the best episode of The Simpsons, right, is typically Marge versus the Monorail, which is the Music, the music Man. Man. Yeah, sure. Uh, thank you, Conan O'Brien. And then there's, <laughs> um, and then we have like episodes of The Simpsons like uh, Cape Fear and all that stuff. Right. Now... This episode pulls from... I'm eating off mic, by the way. That's I'm sure fine. the listeners can hear me. That's fine. They're Kit Kats. Uh, they're delicious. They're the little mini Kit Kats. <laughs> oh, they're so oh good. God, what they're are they so called? Good. They're called the Kit Kat... Kit Kats oh, mini... Kit Kat Minis. Kit Kat Minis. I thought they would have like a fun, more fun name. Kit Kat Minis, the official snack of the batman Tastic Cast. Yes. So if you ever want to, you know, if you're subscribed to the Patreon, which we don't have active <laughs> Which we don't have point, yet, but we'll have we'll, soon. We'll have soon. Uh, if you subscribe to the Patreon or you want to go to our anim- Amazon wish list, like we're um, some sort of um, uh, only <laughs> like fans, we're getting married, <laughs> like we're an only fans, like we're an only fans uh, content creator. Right. Just kidding. Um, Mike and I are already married. Um, yeah. <laughs> no, our, our podcast is sponsored by KitKat Minis, Polar Seltzer, which is basically all Mike drinks. And of course, Diet Coke, which is all I drink. So I'll be dying much sooner than Mike. I don't know. I drink a lot of Coke Zero. I don't, I don't think that's worse. Uh, it's probably the same. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Well. So uh, it's 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 popular for cartoons to to rip off movies because uh, a lot of times for the sure. kids have no idea. Yeah. And this episode kind of rips off three different places. We've got uh, the Christmas Carol. It's got a little bit, a little touch of that. Pretty pretty blatant Christmas Carol and It's a Wonderful Life. It's a Wonderful which Life. Which are two stories that overlap anyway. Anyway, and also at the same time, we've already had It's a Wonderful Life kind of show up on the show. So maybe like the... Right, that was Christmas with the Joker. Yeah, kind yeah, of gave us that yeah. a little bit. Well, you know, well, and a direct reference in that episode. So this one, we have Batman. He's kind of the angel of death. Yes. And he's showing you what your life could have been. Is that the, is that the, um, is that the ghost of Christmas yet to come? 
Oh, uh, yeah. It, yeah. Christmas right? future, yeah, right? Yeah. And certainly Batman's dark cape and cowl yeah. will remind us of what Christmas future looks like because he's supposed to look like, think like the Grim Reaper, mm-hmm. um, at least in popular film depictions. Yeah. Then you have, of course, Clarence the Angel yeah. in It's a Wonderful Life, who, um, you know, takes the um, James Stewart character yeah. back and kind of shows him, like, well, this is what would happen if you weren't, you know, in these people's lives or had you not done what you had done. And then we have this film. Have you ever seen Angels with Dirty Faces? I haven't. Or the Home Alone version, which I know. is called Angels with Filthy Souls. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Merry Christmas, you filthy animal. <laughs> um, Angels with Dirty Faces, uh, it's not the exact plot, but again, you have two kids who are also in the train yards, by the way, and they I, I, they steal something. I forget what exactly. And one gets away from the cops and one does not. And yeah. the one that gets away from the cops ends up growing up to become a priest. Yeah. And the one that gets caught ends up going to become like this this major crime boss. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it, it definitely is definitely playing on the themes of like how you affect other people and how one seemingly insignificant event from childhood can shape everything going forward, which, by the way, is the essence of Batman. Yeah. 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 No, you're right. That is totally the essence of Batman. Kind of what you do with the circumstances you've been handed. I think that's why Batman takes such a vested interest in Stromwell, particularly. Yeah. No, you're right. Um, but it, this episode, like I said at the beginning, it's oddly religious and specifically Catholic because it's a Catholic priest. Um, the, he, you know, Batman goes to a Catholic church to meet with this Catholic priest who we find out very late in the episode is Michael. Um, oh, right. and, and his, his brother and his brother, <laughs> like strange they twist. tie it up yeah. at the very end of the episode. And it's so weird to see, like, usually if there's a Catholic priest in something now, they're probably the villain. Um, in some way, know, shape, I saw or... spotlight. The priest seems so oh. nice. <laughs> no, no, no good. Michael Keaton's in that. Michael Keaton is in that. <laughs> Batman, Batman's in that movie. Yeah. So is the Hulk. Yeah. <laughs> and Doctor Strange's girlfriend. And Jesus, everyone's in a superhero movie now. Yeah, I know. Everyone's got a cape. Oh, well, Doctor Manhattan's in that yeah, movie. Yeah, yeah, that he is. So I, I feel like you wouldn't have a priest as like a benevolent character in 2022. Um, they need to claim that back. Yeah, they, they really do. Because every time a priest shows up in something, now like, I'm like, Ugh. oh, the, the priest on you're rewatching Peaky Blinders. Oh my right god, now. the Terrible. worst priest of all, Patty Considine yeah, is yeah. on that show. Awful, awful, awful. But I will say, unless it's an exorcist movie, if it's, if it's an exorcist movie, the <laughs> Catholic priest then. is like the only guy you call. Um, but yeah, it's it's a little weird. And also, is the Catholic imagery like this? Is me? Is it? It's a stretch, but I feel like Frank Miller has a very interesting. Um, view on the Catholic Church, especially after writing Daredevil, Daredevil for so long, for sure, yeah. and also in um, he in uh, Sin City I, doesn't doesn't uh, one of the character doesn't one of the Catholic doesn't the Catholic he plays a Catholic Catholic priest in the movie of Sin City and gets his head blown off in the confessional, doesn't he? Uh, yeah. Well, w- yeah. one of the major antagonists of the series is like a, I think a bishop or something yeah, like yeah, that yeah, yeah. In, in Sin City. Yeah. I think and is in the film as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's in fact Rucker Hauer in the movie. I it think. is Rucker Hauer. Yeah, but um. I feel like maybe they're maybe they're cribbing a little Frank Miller and Daredevil here. Um, yeah, Batman. I'm, I'm, I'm fine with it. No, it's fine. Yeah, it's fine. I don't think I've ever associated Batman with a religion. Sure. Actually, the Catholic stuff in this episode comes off pretty good. Yeah. Like yeah, they, yeah, yeah. This is not a negative depiction no. of Catholicism. No, definitely not at all. It just um, struck me. It struck me as sure. showing the show showing its age a little uh, bit. Showing its uh, age, also oddly religious. I think this episode ends with a bell toll from a Catholic church. Yes, it yeah. does. So we, we do have a lot of bell tolls, but also, you know, Gothic architecture, gargoyles, it all fits. Sure. Undoubtedly, Bruce Wayne, he doesn't strike me as Catholic. Wayne is probably an Anglo-Protestant. Yeah, it seems you know, that way. Going on. It seems that way. 
Um, but then also we have, you know, Arnold Stromwell versus Rupert Thorne, which is like kind of this gangster showdown. And then we get introduced to Eugene Roche as Stromwell, who's just another like veteran TV actor. He's been in like a hundred things. Um, yeah. and, and just really, you know, um, he does a good performance here. You yeah. Know? Nice job, Stromwell. I thought he was a one-off character, but in my research, I discovered he actually will come back yeah. in, I think, Robin's Reckoning. Oh, right. um, yeah, I know. We, well, I love Robin. I know. He, he lied. For, for, for your birthday next year, or maybe for Christmas, <laughs> I will buy you Please, the nicest no, of Robin books. I, maybe I I'll buy it. you the, the box set of uh, Batman versus Robin. No, thanks. Yeah. Um, Stromwell will come back as the, you know, the sort of the gangster version of himself in Rob, yeah. Robin's Reckoning before yeah. before he's been redeemed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They do that in the flashback, I think. I think I haven't seen that episode in a long time. And this episode does a bunch of flashbacks, but this episode is like half flashback. Half, yeah, it really is. And they do it in like a cool sort of sepia tone. Yeah, I like that yeah. to show that it's old. Yeah. Even though the the technology looks the same. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah right. Yeah. They go back in time yeah. to show you people that are dressed exactly yeah, the same yeah, with yeah. trains that are identical. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a, the new train is. So Silver, the old train is kind of brown. That's kind of how you know the difference. Yeah, Sepiton, they made it look like a photograph. That's how you know. Yeah. Look, look at this photograph. Every time it makes me laugh. How did our eyes get so red? And how did Arnie get stuck in the tracks? <laughs> um, we have a couple of trivia points here. Uh, that's how I got a wooden leg. Just <laughs> a one-legged priest. It's a lot better than having a peg. <laughs> All right. So we, like, we like to have fun here. Yeah, we do. We All like right. to have... This show's for us. Um, <laughs> so... There's some, someone listening that's just like, just talk about the episode, you idiots. Yeah, you fools. Um, IMDB trivia here. Uh, we got we pulled this off the site. We did not find this uh, in other ways. We have no independent research. No, methods, absolutely no. none. Uh, other people do our job for us so that we can talk about it. Correct. We have noted director Boyd Kirkland says that I like shows that get into human dilemmas where you see into... The characters' minds. This is one of my favorite shows. Another reason I like it, like this so much, is that Batman is not doing driving around. Sorry, driving around playing catch up. He knows what he's going on. He knows what's going on, and is behind the scenes manipulating the situation to serve his ends. To me, this is the epitome of how Batman should be portrayed. Yeah, I'm going to pick up the Bruce Tim quote here. He says, It's a real witty script, and Boyd Kirkland did a great job directing it. His storyboard, storyboards were staged brilliantly, and there's one great shot on the storyboard. You're looking at a church, and the camera pans to where a restaurant is. I found it was the first time I actually thought of Gotham as a real place. It's easy for the city just to be a backdrop, but here it felt like it had geography. This turns out to be important because this whole thing is centered on the train yards. Yeah. And Stromwell's, I guess, territory, you could say, is actually centered around the train yards yeah. where that traumatic event happened when he was a kid. Yeah, it's like he can never leave it. It's like you he know? can't leave. He can't, That's exactly it's, it's it. It's like he's yeah. trapped there, kind of right. like he was trapped in the tracks as a little right. kid. Um, no, right, it's yeah, He sort of never got out yeah, of that. Yeah, he never got out of the track. Right. Yeah, he got kind of froze there. Um you know, obviously, we talk about it kind of being like all these movies uh, kind of piled into one. And it's um, it's a good episode. It's the best of the issues episodes we've seen. So, I think we've seen so I far. I think I'm trying to actually remember because I, I haven't done really... I haven't taken a thorough look at this. I don't know if we're done with issues episodes. I don't think so. There's like 110 of these episodes. We're definitely right. going to get more. So I think more. there are more. This is the best of the ones we've seen so, so far. far. And yeah. I do remember, you know, just in my sort of general recollection, this is one of the better, if not the best, PSA episodes. Yeah, and... Um, of which the PSA is, I guess, don't do drugs. Don't do drugs, kind of. I don't know. They really don't spend... Or don't get into organized crime. I don't know. They kind of don't spend any time on the issue. and right. They don't spend enough time... If it was like a don't do drugs episode, right... 
I would feel like Batman would be fighting guys who were dealing drugs and making drugs, but well, he's he like, sort of is. he sort of is, but he, it's like, it's very glazed over quickly. And then you see like a guy going through withdrawal. Right, right. Yeah. But th- for a kid show, that's pushing it. Oh, that's pretty heavy. Yeah, yeah that is pretty it is heavy. heavy. This episode is heavy. Heavy. and um, Heavy, Doc. Yeah, that's right. Um, is there something wrong with the Earth's gravitational pull in 1985? Um, yes. So this is broadcast order number seven. So this was an episode that <laughs> that's early, early. They so they pushed it early. They knew, yeah. They must have knew it was pretty good, and they were like, "Oh, we're gonna have to do some PSAs." And the underdwellers is that bad. Um, so we're gonna have to <laughs> Let's push try that. To bury down. underdwellers. Bury it, and we'll, we'll, you know what? We'll give them the anti-drug episode the seventh time through. But what are your sure. initial thoughts, man? I, I think I've really communicated them. I, I yeah. think it's a, a really good episode, especially for one that seems to be trying to communicate some kind of after-school special vibe. Mm-hmm. Um, it's an episode I really remembered. Yeah. When I was rewatching this, I was like, I still remember every line yeah. to this episode. I remember uh, Stromwell after uh, nearly being in an explosion, like has like his sleeves basically ripped off his jacket, so and he's kind of like wearing that for the whole episode, and no one says anything about it. Yeah, it's like why don't you? Uh, take I very much remembered that. I remembered his whole look, yeah. Thorn. Um, so this episode did stick with me. So I, I guess the episode did its job. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if I necessarily took the anti-drug, anti-organized crime message from it, but I took the story from it. I was yeah. like, oh, yeah, there's that one episode where Batman basically redeems a crime boss. Yeah, no, and uh, obviously, you know, if you, so much of what we watch is organized crime. Like, right. some of our favorite shows and movies are organized crime related, and it's not just Italian mob, it's like everything. Like Jordan says, we're you know, I'm watching Peaky Blinders right now. Right. So uh, we clearly did not take that message away from it. Well, yeah, the episode kind of serves to take away some of the glamour yeah. of organized yeah. crime, which was also the purpose of Angels with Dirty Faces. Yeah. At the end of that movie, the cool gangster, whose name I think is Rocky, um, is convinced by the priest to go to his execution like screaming and begging for his life and crying so that the papers will report that this guy was chicken, he was yellow, he was a coward, and yeah. that crime doesn't pay. Yeah. Which kind of was the message of all of those gangster dramas yeah. from the 30s where, um, you know, the the board of censors would basically say, yeah, but he can't win in the yeah. end. So that's why a lot of those gangster characters sort of die. That's certainly the case in, like, The Public Enemy and movies like that. Yeah. But now we get to, you know the 70s and 80s and the whole organized crime, the mafia, there's a glamour glamorization of it, right? For sure. And, um, you know, movies like The Godfather or Goodfellas and and we kind of turn these characters into like these very sympathetic over-the-top characters. And yeah. it's interesting to see, you know, um, how there's a difference there between the 30s and, and then. But, hey, that's, that's kind of part of what makes this episode an episode. And, um, you know, it's kind of, you know, loosely tied to, I guess, organized crimes dealing with drugs. But are you ready to go on a journey with me? Oh, let's journey. Into Gotham City. I'm ready. Let's take a train uh, ride. Let's do it. Oh, boy. So we get the title card. We get a dimly lit train riding down a track with its headlight. Headlight pointed down at the tracks with the words, it's never too late. We have two you kids. Know, if the train takes your leg off, it's too late. Oh, yeah. I'm just saying. Yeah, no, go yeah, on. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah, you're right. Um, we have two. We have kids playing on a suburban street. They're, the street looks really normal. Uh, one kid bounces a ball a little too vigorously, and it bounces away from a little girl that they were playing catch with. And the ball rolls up to a gate marked with an S. She looks like the, at the gate and runs away scared. It's like the monsters are in the neighborhood. And then we zoom into a window and see a few guys in suits give another 
um, give one another some kind of glance, and then we cut. Right. So presumably the S is Stromwell. Stromwell, yeah. which we will find out later on. Right. I noticed that the town has a very like film noir 1930s Los Angeles kind of look. This suburb, it yeah. doesn't have like the New York look. This looks like something out of a 1930s I Los agree. Angeles yeah, crime movie. I actually thought the same thing. I wrote this um, because we we tend to look at a few episodes at a time. Next week we're going to be looking at. Um, I've got Batman in my yes. basement, and they do a way better job with the suburbs in that one as looking like brownstone housing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Like this Queens. episode, not so much. Yeah, yeah, not at all. Actually, this is way more kind of like, hey, look, it's Los Angeles, kind of. <laughs> right. Um, if you've played the game L.A. Noir, that's kind of like what the whole game looks like. Um, we cut to a TV, and there's a news report. Once again, we're getting kind of story through the news. Um, I will say this much. First of all, the news the news report is in black and white, which is the first time we've seen in the show where the TV is black and white. Right. And Even though it's been in color yes, every other time. every other time. <laughs> um, we see a news reporter who is not Summer Gleason uh, for the first time, and then there are words on the screen that say mob war. Um, the, she, the, the news anchor explains how the war rages in the city between Rupert Thorne, who we know at this point, but if you, you're watching in broadcast order, you wouldn't, and Arnold Stromwell, who we have yet to meet. And then one of the goons says, hey, that's a nice picture of you, boss. And uh, we gather that Stromwell, because we already know who Rupert Thorne is, and he does not agree, nor does he care. This is a scene of which The Sopranos definitely either steals or <laughs> maybe is inspired by later, because that's absolutely Junior Soprano seeing his picture on the TV and uh, the bacala going like, yeah. hey, look, you're on the television. <laughs> yeah. You know, very very much the same vibe. Um, no, Abs- this is absolutely. good. Again, I, I will stand by that I like Two-Face parts one and two better as the introduction of Thorne, but if you don't know Thorne yet, this is fine. You get the idea that, yes, Thorne is fighting for yes. territory, and he's going to be the yeah. chief mob boss yes. in the city once Stromwell's done. Which it seems like Stromwell will be done very soon. Um, yeah, it's going to be... He's coming to an end. Uh, we see a black and white shot of Commissioner Gordon talking about how mob violence is intensifying. Gordon explains that it's a younger crime boss fighting against his older rival. And youth has the advantage. And this is when... Uh, we talked about this already. But man, if the, if if Thorne is the younger one, then Stromwell is a million. Right, Stromwell's a thousand years old. Yeah, he's yeah. a vampire. Conservatively a thousand. Yeah, I think that's right. So Stromwell, we cut back to him. He's not happy about this, about what Gordon is saying. And then we cut back to the news report, which shows a young man listed as missing. We find out that it's Arnold Stromwell's son, Joseph. Stromwell breaks his remote, and his goons tell him to calm down and to remember your blood pressure. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, yeah, like that's such a hilarious line. Very Junior Soprano. Yes, yeah, same, yeah, same kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. He grabs the guy by the neck and says, I want my son back. Stromwell wants a meeting with Thorne tonight. And he wants to end this war. Yeah, he seems pretty virile, like pretty yeah, hardy and virile. Yeah. He's pretty strong. Later, he's going to be throwing Thorn around. Yeah, for a hundred like years. For a thousand-year-old man, he's doing really well. Yeah, he's doing pretty well. Maybe he's a vampire. Stromwell's <laughs> other goon says it'll set up the meeting. And Stromwell looks at a picture of his family. It's this big, you know, like professionally probably painted painting of his family. And his much younger wife. Yeah, his much younger wife. And uh, his son is smiling. Which does track with the gangster lifestyle. That would oh, yeah. make sense. Oh, uh, yeah. That does, that does track. Trophy wife. Yeah, yeah. of course. Stromwell thinks that Thorne has taken his son, which, you know, is, Reasonable. is you know, is, is only something that a psychopath would probably assume about his enemy, but whatever. No, I mean, that's pretty reasonable. You think so? Certainly when I was watching, I was like, yeah, I think Thorne does have his son that I remembered. Oh, right. Drugs. Yeah. Yeah. Drugs. Um, then we cut to a restaurant. 
Uh, it's Pete's Restaurant. Very generic name. It's definitely some kind of Italian place. Yeah, this is this is the erasure I was yeah, talking about. Yeah. Pete's is clearly an Italian restaurant. Yeah, it should have been like Pietro's or something. It should have been. Pietro's Ristorante. Something. Yeah. Um, inside we see a Call sir- it Mama's. How about that? Yeah, Mama's. Hey, hey Mama's. Hey, hey, come to Mama's. Come to Mama's. Inside we see Pete, who I guess is the only employee of Pete's Restaurant, dropping off some drinks as Thorn's, Thorn and his boys, um, as they're looking to have some sort of meeting. Thorn gives the server... Get that guy out of here. Point. As we see a man passed out on a table. <laughs> the server wakes up this man and the guy goes, huh? And, uh, you know, it's Batman. I love that Kevin Conroy's voice is so specific to yeah. us that he can just go, huh? huh? And we're like, oh, it's Batman. Oh, yeah, it's Batman. <laughs> also, <laughs> Batman makes the worst homeless yeah, guy in terrible. history. He's like 6'4". Yeah, he's gigantic. Totally cut. Yeah. Like beautiful body. Yeah. So, oh, yeah, you put a red beard on and yeah. some long hair. There's no way you're the most conspicuous person possible. The best is when he, like, two seconds later, he gets into the Batmobile and he, like, takes everything <laughs> off. It's like, yeah, you're clearly Batman. Like, no, you're not fooling no uh, one. Take that guy that looks like Batman out yeah, of here. Yeah, you know what? That guy looks like an un- like a differently dressed Batman. You should get him out. Um, so now we cut to Thorn. Thorn saying that Strom wants a meeting tonight. And Thorn instructs his men to take the meeting and make Stromwell look like it's a truce. But they intend to use this as an opportunity to finally get rid of Stromwell. We see uh, the quote-unquote homeless guy in his car as he takes off his hat, wig, and beard to reveal that it's been Bruce Wayne. And oh, I have to mention that on the way out, this homeless man, who is clearly not Batman, puts some sort of thing, we hear a click, (laughs) underneath the table in the restaurant. Just idiotic. Yeah, so stupid. (laughs) He plants a recording device under the table so he can listen in on the conversation. Turns out his car was the Batmobile. And then he drives off. It looks like Bruce Wayne has used yet another one of his disguises in his disguise closet. Strong. This is not, not up to gaff level. No, guys. no, no. It's not nearly good as Gaff Morgan. Or is that his name? Gaff Morgan? Gaff Morgan. Gaff Morgan. exactly yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. I've watched that episode a bunch of times you sure to talk did. about it. It was not great. Uh, Stromwell and his men are getting into a car at his house. Stromwell monologues a little about this being his town and he made it what it is. And then the car stops at a railroad crossing. And we hear the railroad crossing bells. Uh, we see a terrified look on Stromwell's face. I like to think that that's not just because of the location, that it has to do with what he said. Yes. That Stromwell made this town what it is. Yeah. Think about that, yeah. Arnie. Think yeah. about that you made this town what it is. Gotham yeah. is hideous. Yeah. Okay. It's a terrible. And you contributed to this. So I like it's to think that the flashback is karmic and yeah. not just location based. Yeah, it's a cesspool, you yeah. know? So we get a flashback. We're in the uh, we're in the the an earlier version of the film noir setting in this very nice sepia tone, and what we can assume is Gotham. And we're at a train yard as two kids are exiting a train tunnel. One kid tells the other kid to stop squealing on him. Mike, great. We have a Mike <laughs> and a Jordan now. And um, at least I'm the mayor's kid. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm I'm my <laughs> the Mike in this show is a priest. Yeah, I have a future priest with no leg your, your priest is basically retired he's probably dead um <laughs> i would like to thank wb for that um mike says that arnie has to stop sealing junk and this is stromwell and a friend of his when they were younger uh young stromwell says that one day he's going to own this town something that just kind of parroted what he said as an adult a few minutes ago and the crossing bell rings as a train starts rolling down the tracks, Arnie's stuck in the tracks. His boot is stuck like in between rails or I guess where the, the junction point is. Yeah. And the crossing bell rings and he frees himself to get away. But then he jumps across the other tracks and he freezes in place as another train is coming. 
Now we cut back to current Stromwell, who has the same facial expression that he had on at the end, looking at the train that's clearly possibly going to hit him, as Stromwell deals with a moment of what we can only consider to be PTSD. And he checks to see if other the other goons men- saw his emotion, and then he kind of just like shakes it off. Uh, the car drives away as we hear church bells. Yeah, so I just want to revisit why this flashback is happening. Now, undoubtedly, since this is Stromwell's territory we're in, he's probably made that cross over those train tracks thousands of times. But today, he's having that flashback, so we get the idea that he feels like there's a train coming like in his life. We have yep. to kind of follow that metaphor, because yep. he probably drove over those tracks two times already today, and probably four or five times the day before. He gets driven around a lot. He's a yeah. crime boss. Yeah. That's his area. Yeah. Uh, but today, he feels like you know Thorn is closing in on his territory. He can't find his son. Later, we find out his marriage is falling apart, his career, everything he built is falling apart. He feels like that train is coming. So this is kind of the revisitation of that. That's why this is happening. It's a really motivated flashback. That's a very good uh, scholarly read of this. Like, really, I didn't... I, I think that's awesome. I think this episode invites that. Oh, I think, I, does, I, yeah. I think you're 100% yeah. right. It's all the benefit of having someone who has to analyze literature for a living yeah. on this show. Sure. So uh, thank you, know you for what? that. That's they really ask good. for it. This show's just... It's really well written. Oh, yeah. This is a... Um, a lot of people don't like this episode because it doesn't have a flashy supervillain in it. It doesn't have a rogues gallery member unless you count Thorn, uh, which I don't. But um, it's, it's a really well-written episode. Yeah. And it invites our analysis. No, I think so. I think you're 100% right. And I appreciate what you bring to the table and in, in the analysis here. It's really good stuff. Thanks, Sugar Plum. No problem. <laughs> <laughs> we see an image of gargoyles that are mounted uh, on a church. Once again, showing a connection between Batman and the Gargoyles, or Batman being a Gargoyle. For sure, yep. Um, sadly, it is not the hit 1990s Disney afternoon cartoon series, Gargoyles. Shame. It's yeah, a shame. It's, it's a shame. And Batman, uh, you said this in the earlier part of our episode, but um, almost like an agent of God yeah. in this episode. Like, go redeem one soul, Batman. Yeah. 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 No, you're right. You're right. We see Batman among the Gargoyles as he narrows his eyes at Stromwell's car. We see Stromwell look at the church with disdain, and then Batman enters the church to meet with an older priest. Batman informs the priest that it's coming down tonight. He's going to need you. Yeah, Batman scares the shit out of this priest. Yes, yes. <laughs> like, this dude has probably performed at least an exorcist, uh, exorcism in his life, and Batman's the one who scares him. Correct. The priest knows that it's about Arnold, as Batman confirms, and then the priest says, that's one soul I wish I could give up on. We get the sneaking suspicion that Arnold and this priest have had some kind of history. Batman clearly respects this priest and says to him, I don't believe you'd give up on anyone, Father. Which, I gather Batman has a relationship with this with this priest, to a degree. Because he would just pop in randomly and talk to him. Like, that's like... It seems like a crime fighter like Batman would probably need to converse with someone mm-hmm. and he clearly can't converse to a therapist. You know, I have like there's confession, like confession's a big part of the Catholic Church. Right. Something Batman can't really do. He can't, but he can. He could to a priest to a degree. If he's Catholic, if he's Catholic, because priests aren't allowed to tell anyone. Sure. I have. Yeah. Two canonical things that are canonical only to me about Batman and this priest. Yes. One, there is a version of this story where this priest was the priest that did Thomas and Martha Wayne's funeral. Yes. And tried to console this boy. Oh, good headcanon. Yeah. Total headcanon, and I don't think Wayne is Catholic, so it's kind of already uh, yeah. moot. Yeah. But um, my other headcanon is that the animated series Batman, we've brought this up before, he's a very compassionate character. Yes. Yes. The comics Batman is kind of cold yeah. 
and he's very much like the swift hand of justice. In the animated series, he's really warm. He's really compassionate. I think he tries to get to know the city's community leaders. I think so. And whether he's talked to this priest before, which evidently he has, or he's just watched this guy, he likes him. Yes. And the similarity that he finds between himself and this guy is that this guy doesn't give up. No. Which is a core tenet of Batman's character. Exactly. So that that makes a lot of sense. Um, And, you know, it seems like uh, the priest is going to have to get involved somehow. We cut back to Pete's restaurant now with a neon sign. (laughs) Stromwell's car rolls up. Yeah. Pete's Pete's moving up in the world. Good Pete. Hopefully nobody blows up his restaurant. Right. Stromwell's car rolls up as he and his men enter the restaurant. Makes a good carbonara, that Pete. Yay. Oh, Petey Carbonara. Thorne is glad that they could get together. As Stromwell says, it's time to talk. Looks like Thorne's ruse is working. Oh, the dramatic irony. That's right. Um, We know better. Yes, we do. Thorne uh, suggests that the two bosses talk alone, and Stromwell agrees. Their goons all leave. Thorne has some rough-looking goons, like real rough compared to Stromwell's. (laughs) Right. And uh, we don't get to see any of his goons from the Two-Face episode here. It's possible they were put in jail, or it's possible that, I guess, they're thinking this episode takes place before Two-Face. Doesn't matter. No uh, Frankie, no... No um, Candace. No Candace. Right. Thorne suggests that Gotham is big enough for both of them, but Stromwell grabs Thorne, demanding he tell him where his son is. Stromwell then throws Thorne, knocking him down with a table. Right, which clearly reveals that Stromwell has super strength. Yes. Because Rupert Thorne weighs 400 pounds. He is gigantic. And he, like, throws him with one hand. Exactly. He's just like, ah! <laughs> Stromwell continues his phys- physical assault as Thorne lets him know that he didn't touch the kid and that Thorne doesn't, Thorne doesn't mess with family, which is kind of a mafia tenant here or there if people aren't involved. Um, right, yeah, it kind of speaks to an honor system that we're not sure if we're operating by or not. Yeah. Are the families up for grabs yeah. or what? Yeah. Are, the, are the men, is it going to be paramilitary where it's men fighting men and nothing yes. else? Yeah, you know? exactly. Uh, Thorne offers to help Stromwell about his kid uh, because of the connection he has, and then Thorne suggests they eat and asks Pete to bring them an antipasto. I'll, I perfect, specifically pronounce it antipasto that will knock their socks off because that's how <laughs> Thorne pronounces it. That's how Vernon does it. Um, yeah. Antipasto, I, I, it's an Italian restaurant. Yeah, I, let I, it be an Italian restaurant. I know. They're serving cannoli and antipasto. Well, we don't know about the cannoli yet, but we will find we out. We find out about the cannoli. Yeah, from, from, from one person who definitely has enjoyed himself a bunch of cannoli. Sidebar, and you're a guinea like me. Have you ever heard anyone order a cannolo? No. Apparently, that is one cannoli. One cannoli. Because <laughs> cannolis, cannoli. But because we're all fat fucks, and we all, no one has ever eaten just one cannolo in their entire <laughs> life we only ever say cannoli you're right so you're right. but i was speaking with a woman today at my job actually and she had described she said oh yeah you know i would go sit at the cafe outside in milan and i would order an espresso and a cannolo and i asked what a cannolo was and she looked at me like i was a fucking idiot and she's like cannolo you know like cannoli and i was like oh why is it cannolo and they're like because she's like she's like there's just one of them and i'm like am i such a fat fuck that i would never find that out otherwise first of all first of all let's let's break this down <laughs> that person's pretentious second oh, of all <laughs> absolutely absolutely I was enjoying, she will never I was, hear this podcast I was in so milan. i can say yes she is i was in milan enjoying an espresso and a cannolo every italian i know in my entire life half my family if it's one it's cannoli if it's a hundred it's cannolis all right, right. <laughs> because we're awful new yorkers by the way i'm gonna go one step further because i come from a real like lower middle class blue collar <laughs> italian american family espresso oh, yep. 
<laughs> yup, espresso, for sure. Get me an espresso and a cannoli. Oh my family, <laughs> get me an espresso and some cannolis, which are all incorrect. Let's yes. just move uh, on. It's, the, the amount of times in my life I've heard the term espresso. Espresso. I just that's it, how I learned it. Yeah. I, listen, I'm perfectly aware it's espresso, yes. but I don't say it. I know. I, I, it's espresso. It's espresso the ostrich. Um, that's right. Yeah. Is he espresso? With I X? think he's es. Actually, he might be Expresso. Yeah, I think he right. might be Expresso the Osher. Um We're referring to Donkey Kong Country 2, by the way. All of, well, I think the first two. Is he in the first one, I too? I think he's... Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Him and On Guard. Um, and Rampy. Rampy. Rampy is Rambi in both. Rampy's in both, yeah. Okay. Well, this has gone too far. Donkey Kong cast right, is back to next, Back to the animated we'll do series. That, yes. uh, we'll do Donkey Kong the animated series another time. Yes. Um, so, Thorn uh, enters the back room. And we zoom zoom in on Thorne's face to see that he gives Stromwell this big grin, which Stromwell kind of gets the message. He knows what it means and that he's in trouble. The lights are out and Stromwell is left alone in the restaurant. Thankfully, Batman is there. Outside the restaurant, we see it explode as Thorne's men make a getaway. Stromwell's guys are knocked out as one wakes up and tries to go to the restaurant, only to be stopped by the other goon. They bail before the cops get there so they can regroup. They drive off as Thorne walks up and says, consider yourself replaced, Arnie. Thorne declares that it is, in fact, party time, and he and his goons laugh it off. We see Batman exit the back of Pete's restaurant with Stromwell on his shoulders. He gets Stromwell to a nearby rooftop, and the restaurant explodes a second time. <laughs> right. Because, you know, of course. poor Artie We Buko. love an explosion. Yeah. Um, Stromwell, wakes up, <laughs> Stromwell wakes up to be surrounded by fire, and he sees Batman. Uh, I think the read here is that Stromwell thinks he has died and gone to hell. 100%. Because the world around them is red and on fire, yep. and Batman kind of looks like a demon. Yep, I totally agree. And also, this part of the episode has to function that the rest of the world thinks that Arnie Stromwell is dead. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right, because Batman, to be this angel of death, goes to Christmas future yeah. character, yeah. it has to be kind of journeying Arnie through yeah. uh, a kind of underworld experience. Yes, yes. Like a literal underworld yes. experience. Yes, not underworld crime. Right, but also that. Yeah. Um... He looks up at Batman and he asks him, like, what is he doing? I guess he, re- he realizes he's alive. And um, Batman goes, saving your hide. As we cut to the street, we see this guy who's dressed like a 1930s newsie, but he talks like an 80s surfer. He's like, whoa, barbecue action, man. It's like Michelangelo. Stupid. Yeah. Uh, the red-haired guy <laughs> looks up at the rooftops to see Batman running with Stromwell on his back. Once again, Batman is proving that he's stupid strong. Yeah, just hoist the 200-pound man. Dude, just, he's you know. running at full speed while holding this giant dude on his shoulders. <laughs> and then, like, the, red guy, the red-haired guy looks up and goes, oh, wow, he really is out there, referring to Batman, which I think is cool because it seems like people don't realize he's real yet. It's super cool. Um, I also... It's a little confusing, not in a bad way, Yeah. where it's like Batman the Animated Series chooses to do a mid-career Batman. He's not in his first year. It's not early career Batman. He's been at this a while, but the city still doesn't know a lot about yeah. him, so they can still kind of carry on this myth about Batman, which I really like. Yeah, and that's why I like when... That's the that's when I like the definite article Batman the best is when he's like, the Batman is like a myth. Yes, it's I like agree. It's like he's the Batman. That movie gets a lot right. Actually, we can talk about this in another Actually, episode. I kind of want to watch it again. The Batman... Owes a lot to the animated oh, series. Oh, yeah. A in, lot. In a good a way. Lot. Oh, and yeah, in a very good and they, way. they complement each other nicely. Uh, uh, listener, Mike and I are both big fans of The Batman. Yes, we like it a lot. Yes, no, we definitely do. The and Robert Pattinson. I kind of want to sit down and watch it again. That's I've, a good I've slow like, burn. I've seen it about three times now. I, I really like it it's, a lot. It's a good slow burn. Yeah. It really is. It is good. All right, back to the show. Um, Batman does some insane parkour and he some incredible parkour. feats of strength 
as he does this thing, he hops on a flagpole, jumps off the flagpole, and does a full front flip while holding this dude. Um, it's a ridiculous action sequence, but it's a good transition. We see fire trucks and hear police radios by Pete's. Gordon and Bullock meet, and Gordon says that the media is going to nail them on this one because obviously Gordon just came out and is like, "Oh, we're gonna break the crime down," and of course Pete's restaurant gets exploded. <laughs> um, Bullock t- tells Gordon that his hair looked better on TV because Bullock is a disgrace. Um, the firemen let Gordon know that it was arson. Oh, really? And that someone planted a bomb. Bullock's response: oh, Line is of the episode here. The it best. Is. He goes. It's a darn shame they made the best cannolis. Thank you, Bullock. And Bullock is just, he's just the best. And Gordon, (laughs) the look look from Gordon Gordon on an animated TV show. (laughs) It's like, it's like if he held that look for like a fraction of a second more, we'd be in Animaniacs territory. Right, right. Right. It's very funny. Or like Hysteria territory. Like (laughs) one of those shows where like someone has to deal with a character who's clearly supposed to be Jerry Lewis. Right. And like. But Gordon has this look. It's just perfect for an animated show. And just kind of looking at him like, what are you talking about? Like, why are we bringing up cannoli? But, like, I feel like that's Bullock's honest reaction. Oh, it's a great reaction. It's one of my favorite moments in the episode. It's the best line in the episode. Yeah, I mean, because if my favorite bakery blew up, and my favorite bakery did actually burn down. uh, The bakery got my wedding cake at. Wait, really? Oh, yeah. Well, they rebuilt it. Um, It it caught fire, and they had to, like... Oh, it's terrible. Yeah. And, uh, Do when you it, think it was arson from two rival mob bosses feuding? I mean, it is an Italian bakery. Oh, well. Eh, you never know. Um, but yeah, no, so that happened. I was really upset because I'm like, oh, man, when can I get a cheese Danish again? Um, um, <laughs> also, I want to discuss uh, Bullock's pronunciation of cannoli uh, because he pronounces it like a true New York Italian because yeah. that C becomes a G. Right. He pretty much says like, oh, they made the best cannolis. I know his name is Bullock, but he's a paisan. Yeah, yeah. Also, Bob Costanza in real life is obviously Italian. Yeah, from Brooklyn. So, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, Gordon asks if there were anyone in there. The fireman says there was no evidence. And the red-haired man from the streets before says there was somebody in there. He says that the Batman saved his butt and that he was running across the rooftops. Um, He says he was carrying someone like a dark angel snatching a guy from the fires of Hades, man. Yeah. So clearly, yes, it was right. supposed to look so, like hell. Yeah, our imagery from before was, was our interpretation of that imagery yeah. was correct. Yeah. All right. We cut to Thorne's office. One of Thorne's men, Simon, lets Thorne know that Stromwell was saved by Batman. They're all pretty upset. Uh, when asked, Thorne says that Batman did this to get Stromwell to spill his guts about the quote unquote organization, which we really haven't heard much about yet. And Thorne tells his men to check the train yards to get Batman and Stromwell and kill them. Yeah, it's a weirdly specific place to ask them to look, but then I realized, oh, right, the train yes. yards. That's like kind of the core of Stromwell's empire. Yes, exactly. We see bats fly across the moon as great, we get another, tr- another transition. Yeah. yeah, it's a great transition. Stromwell looks over the edge in his ripped, oddly ripped suit. He asks Batman why the heroics, and Batman says, you've got something I want. Batman wants info about the gangs as he wraps a grappling hook around the water tower. And I took it to be a little deeper than that. Batman doesn't just want info about the gangs. Batman wants his soul. Yep. Yep. For sure. Yeah. For sure. Um, And he's going to fight you for it. Yes, he will. Stromwell says that Batman would need to try harder to get him to talk, and he grabs Stromwell and jumps off the building using this grappling hook he just tied around the uh, water tower. If this was a movie or like a PG-13 thing, I think Batman would have wrapped Stromwell up around the waist or the leg and threw him off the building. <laughs> Probably. Right? Yeah. I think that's what we would have gotten. Um, on the street, Stromwell gets up and says, I know this place. I got my start here. And Batman informs him, selling drugs. And now you manufacture them. And Stromwell challenges Batman to say, prove it. 
And then he gives the ultimate, like, don't blame me. I don't twist anyone's arm to take them. Right. Yeah, okay. The, the ultimate bullshit yeah, argument. Nonsense yeah. argument. It's not, I, I mean, listen, I just make them. I don't have to do them. And for the record, I make candy. Batman drags him into a building marked Sunrise Foundation. And Stromwell says, it, this means nothing to me, as we hear church bells. As Batman, now, as the ghost of Christmas present or Christmas yet to come, oh, no, I'm sorry, Christmas past or Christmas yet to come, enters the building, Stromwell asks, what is this place? Batman informs him that it's a drug rehab center. And Stromwell tries to push back against Batman, who punches a wall to pretty much show him that he would do that to his face. And then Stromwell pretty much goes, oh, I guess I'll, I'll stay. <laughs> uh, we cut to Stromwell's son whimpering in pain. He's scruffy in a hospital bed. We can assume that he's dealing with withdrawal. Uh, Stromwell comes in and immediately notices son, and we hear a woman's voice, yes, he's lucky. Stromwell calls this woman Connie and asks why she didn't call. She said she didn't know until Batman had let her know about Joey, who is their son. Stromwell says that he'll find the guy who got him hooked, and when Connie hears that, she goes, you should look in the mirror. Mm. Uh, you'll find out that it's you, your drugs, and your men who got him hooked. She tells Stromwell that she left him to get away from this business, but Stromwell backs away in shock as Batman tells him to stop the drug problem in Gotham. Batman wants Stromwell to close down the organization, and he tells Stromwell to turn in the records to the DA. No, no word, no name of the DA here. Uh, we don't know if it's still Dent at this point. Since yeah, this smart on their later. part. This could be before or after Two Face, yeah. and because they don't give a name, it's fine. Exactly. Um, we cut to the train yard where Stromwell's offices are. He pages through files and pulls out something about, we can assume to be the organization. He gives records to Batman. As Batman is distracted looking at the records, we see Stromwell go to pull a gun off the wall. What an idiot. Yeah, I know, right? With Batman in the room. Batman knows the books are dummies, and Stromwell draws and cocks the rifle at Batman. I think he actually says, like, who's the dummy now? Yeah, who's the dummy now? something. Yeah, like, he's, you're going to be able to shoot Batman. Uh, Thorne and his men are ready outside with Tommy guns, and Thorne orders them to smoke them out. Cut to Stromwell's office. He and Batman are at a bit of a standoff. We get some monologuing. Batman brings up Joey. Stromwell has no intention of working with Batman. It's now it's now at this point that a tear gas grenade comes through the room, through the window, and Batman puts on his gas mask because he clearly always has one. Right. There's, a, then, there's a ton of smoke on this oh, show. So smoke and smoke. gas and toxic gas. Just a ton of it. A ton of it. Batman puts on the gas mask, then he throws a chair through the window to let some of the gas out. He tells Stromwell to stay put. And then Thorne's guys start running up the stairs. They kick the door in as Batman takes the first guy out. The second guy with the messed up face walks back in with his gun drawn. And he sees his partner, Stash, suspended in air. Batman is using him as a shield, and Batman throws this guy at the guy with the messed up face, and the Tommy gun goes off. Thorne sends Thorne and the rest of his men enter the building. Stromwell is walking towards the exit, coughing because of the tear gas, and we see Thorne and his men <clears throat> break into the room to find the two goons hanging upside down. You blew it, you jerks! Batman opens a door to another to another office and sees the broken window, knowing that Stromwell has escaped. Thorne and his goons leave the building to see Stromwell running off to the train yard. They chase after him. And we cut to Stromwell hiding under a train while Thorne's men are looking for him. Yeah, so everything we've done in this episode has brought us here. Back, back, to, to, the, the back to the train yards. Back to the train yards. Batman stealthily hops off of a train and punches a guy with the messed up face again. And Thorne's remaining goons shoot at Batman as he hides between the trains. Uh, Batman gets to jump on him, kicks him in the face. So nice. Batman's taking guys out. Stromwell's still in the run. He trips over some train tracks and sees a hand reach out to him. It's the priest. Arnie, it's your time to come home, he says to Stromwell. And Stromwell tells the priest to get away from him. 
And then the priest responds with, you can't run anymore, Arnie. Stromwell trips and falls again. And upon looking down the train tunnel, has another flashback as he kind of gets hit with like this right, train yeah. wind. This is the completing flashback. Yes. Now we've, yes. we've kind of hidden this part yes. of the story up till now. Now is the big reveal. The big reveal. Um, Stromwell now has a PTSD-induced existential crisis. We <laughs> yes. see the same scene unfold as before. Stromwell gets stuck in the tracks, escapes, and then is frozen in shock as the other train barrels down the tunnel. We see old man Stromwell to tell his younger self to get off the tracks as he watches the scene play out again in shock. Yeah, that's that's probably one of the most It's a Wonderful Life-esque yes. moments yeah. in here. Yeah. yeah, where he tries to like interfere and cannot. Right. Or we, you know, Christmas Carol too, same thing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. We now get the full story here as Michael saves Arnie by pushing him off the tracks before the second train could hit him. We see young Arnie call out to Michael as older Arnie walks up from behind. He falls to his knees as the flashback fades. Stromwell says, Michael, Michael. And the priest puts his hand on his Stromwell's shoulder and says, I'm here, Arnie. And Stromwell looks up and says, what are you doing here, Michael? Turns out the other kid with Arnie was the priest, Michael. So I guess the kid grows up to be a priest, which also happens to be Arnie's brother. <laughs> sure. They wrap this all up in like the last scene of the episode. Yeah, what a weird twist. Weird twist. It's fine. Michael offers his help, but Arnie rejects it. Michael really lays it on thick. Very Catholic guilt here. Uh, is that true? Your empire is crumbling. Marriage is shattered. A son lost. Sure, you're doing real fine. Which is like, yeah, that's that's some Catholic <laughs> guilt, my that's friend. That's a Catholic priest. We we know we know what that's all about. Thorne's men uh, point their guns at Stromwell and Michael, but Batman jumps in and stops him before they can shoot. Stromwell tells Michael to stay away and that the last time this happened, it cost you your leg. Michael knocks on the leg for good luck and pretty much says like, you know, I do, I make, I do all right. <laughs> um, and then um, Stromwell asks Michael why he tries to save him. And Mike says, what else could I do? But now you have a chance to save yourself. And uh, Mike asks him to do the right thing for himself, his son, for him, his little brother. Um, and, you know, we get this part where Stromwell begins to cry as he embraces his younger brother. Um, Thorne then turns his Tommy gun on the brothers, and then Batman hits the gun away with a batarang, and then he flying drop kicks <laughs> Thorne in, the, in, I would imagine, the chest. And then Batman, like, gets out of there before the cops show up. Thorne is knocked out, and Stromwell with Michael turns himself into the police, saying that he has things to talk about. Mm -hmm. We cut to Batman on the rooftop with a satisfied grin. He looks down towards the church as we hear the church bell ringing again, and yet another reference to It's a Wonderful Life. I think 100%, uh, which is a movie where expressly it states, yeah. um, you know, every time a bell rings, an angel gets its wings. For sure, I think that, that's part of it here. And Batman is kind of like the angel, I guess, in this, For sure. in this aspect, kind of, you know... Um, earning his wings. Um, yeah. But um, we fade to black, and that's where the episode ends. Yeah. Closing thoughts, Michael? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Ugh. Um, it's good. I think it's a good episode. It's the best of of these issues episodes we've seen so far. Um, and uh, probably the best PSA episode we've watched this far. Um, I think it might stay there. Is it a top episode? No, I think it's middle of the pack. So ranking for you is just somewhere in the middle. Yeah, probably in the 50s or so. Okay, that's pretty good, actually. Yeah, maybe um, a little lower. Yeah, for me, like, uh, re-watching this episode so many years later and looking at it with, like, my good adult brain, um, really a valuable episode. There's a lot on the screen here. A lot. And the symbolism is very rich. I mean, you could, if you wanted to, really read into this episode and really consider the duality of sin, um, how this one traumatic 
memory from childhood has changed the course of events for both these men, both Michael and for Arnie Stromwell. Yeah. Uh, such is also the case, of course, in Angels with Dirty Faces with yeah. those characters. Yeah. Um, the religious overtones in this episode can't be ignored. No. Um, even you know the, the restaurant that kind of begins the whole revelation is called Pete's. We can yeah. kind of take that as St. Peter's Gate. Yep. Uh, we have a character named Michael who is kind of an angel here in mm-hmm. this episode as being a priest character. Uh, Michael, of course, who saves us all from Satan's power in terms of an archangel or a saint character just in Catholic uh, lore or whatever you want to call it. Um, Batman kind of as this dark angel that kind of walks you through the path of what is, what could have been, what has been. Uh, and again, yeah, these flashbacks, while they're reminiscent of A Christmas Carol, It's a Wonderful Life, uh, sure, Angels with Dirty Faces, um, they really serve to put Batman in greater relief, which these good episodes tend to do. When Batman's fighting villains that are good for him to fight, it's not just because it's an interesting fight, it's because they reveal something about Batman. Yep. We've said in previous episodes, you know, Batman's the mystery character. Yeah. This one traumatic event of the murder of Thomas and Martha Wayne drives him forward to becoming a hero. He could have just as easily become a villain. Of course. That is what is always on the table every time Batman's fighting another member of the so-called rogues gallery, right? And I think he understands that, and I think that's the source of the compassion for Batman in the animated series. You know, the Joker, famously in comics, always says that everybody's just one bad day away from becoming him. Yeah. But that's also true of his opposite. Yeah. Everybody's one bad day away from becoming Batman as well. Yeah. Uh, And I think this episode puts that into uh, a nice focus. One of my favorite Batman stories, and it's been told a few different times, is there is a version or a universe, a reality, where um, the crime alley incident happens, but Bruce dies and his parents live and his mother goes on to becoming a version of the Joker. Yeah. And Thomas Wayne, his father, goes on to becoming a version of Batman. And I love that story, not just because I think the look is cool or the idea is cool, though it it is a cool um, look and a cool idea. Flashpoint. That's Flashpoint. Flashpoint, Um, I like it because it it is totally believable to me that that is how stories happen and that, that that's how this story could have happened. The ending of this episode, I think, is beautiful because Arnie Stromwell's redeemed. Presumably, he's going to go off to prison. His livelihood as a criminal in Gotham is uh, over, but his son might have a chance. Uh, Fewer people may be exposed to drugs because he's now out of the game. And even though we still have horrible Rupert Thorne, there's one less person who is doing this thing. And Batman has saved a soul. And you know what? Michael got this one. The devil didn't win in this particular fable. Yeah. No, it's a really good, really good analysis of this episode. And it's a great episode um, and enjoyable. Um, I liked it a lot more um, on these series of rewatches, you know, um, just because as a kid, it's probably kind of like, eh, <laughs> Right, right. Not that appealing to an eight-year-old, yeah, yeah, right? exactly. But totally. But like, you know, as a 36-year-old man, it's kind of like, oh, I get it. I get yeah. this. This is, this is a good episode. It's a nice little... Little yeah, I liked it as well. It's in the middle for me too. Yeah, Maybe man. towards the bottom of the middle, yeah. but it's it's a decent episode. I really like it a lot. Yeah. So it was a good episode and um we enjoyed it and it was really really fun to kind of talk about the it's more of it's a more it's a better episode to kind of talk about than to watch, you know. Uh it's one of those episodes where it's kind of more of like right. more of like the analysis is like a part of the fun part. Oh for sure. But yeah. next time on the Batman Tastic Cast, we will be uh, tackling episode thirteen on the production side. I've got Batman in my basement. You do? Uh, I used to. Why? I don't know. Oh, well, we'll you find one out. One of those weirdos. Yeah, definitely. All right, all right. Thank you for joining us. This was the Batman Tastic Cast for Jordan Hugh. I'm Mike Stout. Thank you, and see you next time. Same bat time, same bat channel.
And thank you for listening to the Batman Tastic Cast. We hope you enjoyed this episode as much as we enjoyed recording it. If you want to support the show, please feel free to find us on social media at Batman Tasticast on pretty much every single social media outlet. You can also leave a review or a comment or give us a like or a subscribe on the podcatcher of your choosing because that just makes the show that much more visible. Also, feel free to reach out to us any way possible if you want to talk about more stuff related to Batman and Batman the Animated Series. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time.